Welcome to Building Sustainability, the podcast that brings you interviews with designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. I'm your host, Geoffrey Hart. This episode is sponsored by Cyclair. Cyclair Shop sells a wide range of knives and tools from around the world for all purposes including diving, fishing, wood carving, survival, bushcraft and kitchen use. Top brands including Mora, Gerber, Leatherman, Condor, Prandy, Openel, Woodjewel and many others. Cyclair Shop. Great value knives and tools delivered quickly. That's Cyclair. C-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E. This episode is the first of a two-parter with Will Stanricks. Uh, quick Will facts. Uh, Will is a qualified building surveyor studying at Kingston University, where he focused on natural building products and vernacular building. He formed Hemplime Construct, specialising in hempcrete buildings, and he co-authored the Hempcrete book, Designing and Building with Hemplime. Uh, he has been working for the last couple of years with H.G. Matthews, who are a heritage brick company uh, based in Chesham, to produce and test unfired cob blocks and clay plasters. He also attended St. Clement Dane's School in Chorley Wood, which is the same school as me. In fact, I was in the same class as well. Now, you might think that means that St. Clement Dane's must have been really up on its eco-building credentials uh, and was really pushing like sustainability. Mm, no. It was a very ordinary school, uh, and not in any way eco. Uh, I don't really know how it happened, but both myself and Will uh, have become natural builders. And Dan Stickland, who is uh, based down in Plymouth, he also became a natural builder. In fact, our physics class, A-level physics class, I think there was only maybe six people in the class. I think four of them are now working in natural building. I don't really understand it. So, yep, Will and I were, were definitely friends at school, but very much in different friend groups, so we didn't hang out very much. But imagine my surprise when I came back from living in North America for five years, and I found Will was the hempcrete expert, and he was at the same events and trade shows that I was at, promoting straw and earth building. So, um, yeah, we, we got to hang out a lot, and since become good friends and worked together a lot. And I've always enjoyed catching up with Will, because we always end up sharing our, our successes and our failures and what we've learned. And I really value that he doesn't try to present just everything he's done is has been great and it's been easy and, you know, he's the best. Uh, I feel like there's a real value gained from hearing what went well and what didn't go so well. So anyway, this episode, we recorded a conversation at the very beginning of lockdown and afterwards will sent me a message and said he wasn't really happy with it uh could we try something a little different um and we did and so the premise for this conversation was two natural builders asking each other questions and generally being sidetracked telling anecdotes uh and yeah being a bit less uh formal than an interview uh this was uh pretty successful i think we ended up talking for two hours it was great fun and it's as you'll hear it's it's quite a light-hearted conversation we get super nerdy at times we chuckle a lot yeah i think it's a good one and well this is the the first half of the two-hour conversation so in this episode we talk about our favorite tools we talk about clay floor mixes which if anyone enjoyed the Sukita episode, there's a few things which overlap with that. We talk about our natural building heroes. We talk about our favourite binders. That's a geeky one. Um, and we also talk about Rebecca Reed in quite a lot of detail. Uh, Rebecca is a friend of both Will and I. And when I talk about Rebecca Reed, I just describe her as the best plasterer uh, in the country. She is exceptional. And she has a very, very special way of of talking about an understanding plaster. Um, and I've tried many times to get her on this podcast and one day I'll be successful. Uh, she's currently not having any of it. So that's uh, a rough overview of what's in this episode. As I say, there's lots of tangents and lots of stories. 
the next episode, which hopefully I'll get uploaded uh, tomorrow, will feature what advice we would give to the younger versions of ourselves. Big mistakes we've made. That's actually kind of a uh, theme throughout uh, both of these episodes. Uh, our favourite products, natural building products, uh, the best natural building books, uh, whether we prefer wet trades or dry trades, is natural building cheap? Uh, and the simple question of, what do you describe your job as? Which has a surprisingly difficult answer. Those ones are all what's in the next episode. So you can probably roll straight onto that episode straight after. But I figured that two hours in one go was a little bit too much for everyone. Enjoy this episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Shall I hit you with a big one straight away? Go on then. What's your favourite binder? Oh, man! (laughs) (laughs) God, that's a big one. That is a big one. Oh, jeez. Oh... (laughs) Is there any, any you're going to take out of the equation? What's your least favourite? Yeah, well, hydraulic lime, well, obviously cement is out. Yeah. Then hydraulic lime, which used to be my favourite. Did it? Yeah. Hydraulic lime and prompt used to be my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, because you, you could make it harden whenever you wanted to, so you don't have to yeah. wait around. Uh, and then, I, then it probably went to putty, was my favourite, because it was so creamy. When I started using putty, I was like, oh, this is nice. But it's got to be fermented clay at the minute. Oh, it's got fermented to be. as well. Yeah, like, it's so... the sexy stuff. Yeah, it's so sticky. Do you know what? I, I was using it for a little while with Rebecca at the, at the Brickworks, and um, we, were using, we were using the clay, and it, it, wasn't, it was all right, but it, wasn't, it, was like the, it was all coming apart. It was like the clay and the sand and everything split as you, as you trowed it on the wall. Right. And then we fermented a batch. Uh, I'd been reading Japan's Clay Walls by Emily Reynolds. That's a great book. Thank you for that recommendation, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And it was talking about fermenting. And um, so we fermented a batch. It was like a different material. It was like one material rather than three constituent parts. Yeah, like the sort of glue that all just like is between everything and just holds yeah. it together. Yeah. What was your process? We just made the plaster, which was like two and a half parts sand. Uh, two, so one part clay, two and a half parts sand and half a part fibre. Or maybe yeah. one part fibre, depending on what we were doing. Was fibre straw? Fibre was chopped straw, yeah. Yeah. Sieve, sieve chopped straw. And then we just left it in the bucket for a week in the sun. And it had to be, had the lid on. Mm. Well, it didn't have to, but it seemed to be better with the lid on. And um, and then we used it after a couple of weeks, two, one, one to two weeks in the sun. And um, then we poured it into a plasterer's bath. And it went from an orange-red colour, because we had brick dust in it as well, half a part brick dust. To like a dark blue, 
like really intense dark blue color wow. and as as it's in the air you could see that the top layer exposed to the air in the in the plaster's bath was turning back to orange and then you you just scooped a bit off and it was it was dark blue underneath still yeah and it stunk stunk to high heaven but it's actually i quite like the smell and then you <laughs> plaster the wall with it and as soon as it's dry it doesn't smell and the color goes back to the original color mm. and um it's i did a test with some i made some blocks with it and did some tests so i made i took that fermented mix and made some earth blocks i'll have to i could give you this i could put it online somewhere because i found it quite interesting Great. And yeah, yeah they were they were they were more resilient to water but they were also more breathable oh wow and they were and they were stronger uh, oh they shrunk less that was it so when you made a block with it and and it Whereas, whereas a normal clay would shrink a lot, they shrunk a lot less. Yeah. Which which means, which is quite good because on wetting and drying, if your something's getting wet and dry, maybe an external wall or something, it means it's not going to shrink and expand and shrink and expand as much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I still don't really understand what happens. I guess the the bacteria eat the gluten between the straw because it only happens if there's straw in there. Yeah. So so what we did on our last earth floor was we just got a couple of uh like big black dustbins filled them with straw and then uh filled them with water and then put a big weight on yeah. top so it was all held underwater so it made aerobic anaerobic anaerobic, anaerobic. no air yeah uh, that seems to be the key no air yeah so basically uh, like if you've ever made kimchi or like sauerkraut or something like that it's the exact same process so uh yeah did that and then just chucked all that straw into the... Uh, and we left it for probably a couple of months. And then chucked that straw into the, the earth floor mix. And, yeah, it was yeah. smelly. Uh, yeah. lay, laying in a floor where you're, like, hunched over, just breathing <laughs> this, this, this fermented goodness uh. into, your, into your lungs. And I think we did it the day after we had, uh, like, a bit of a party. So there was people... Whoa, there were not some not happy people laying that floor, but um, me, me and Joe were just like, oh, it's so creamy, yeah, it's so like you know, spreadable. The difference is amazing. And we put some, I put some straw in water in buckets in the dryers at the brickworks, and they you could ferment them in like 24 hours. Oh, yeah, well, at, just because of a nice bit of heat in there, yeah, 40 degrees C, they just they just went, yeah, straight away. I was going to try, and I haven't tried this, but it'd be interesting if you could. So let's let's say it's making some sort of gluey, gloopy stuff. Mm. So you make your water with this fermented straw. You take the straw out, and you've got your fermented goodness in the water. And then I don't know what the process is called in cooking, where you reduce it. You reduce it uh, down, yeah, so yeah. you get you get rid of the water, and you get left with the dry whatever the stuff is. Yeah, and then you can package it up. And sell it as yeah. Is that going to be all that much different from like a wheat paste? I don't know. I wonder if it's maybe I'm just thinking because straw is sometimes wheat. Maybe I'm making a connection <laughs> where where there isn't one. <laughs> I don't know if it's they're breaking the straw down into lots of smaller fibres, aren't they? I think but it's more more than just like a physical size. I think it's a size. yeah. But yeah, there's also they they must be eating the bits between the fibres that are holding the fibres together mm. and sort of well, it must be pooing it out, mustn't it? The bacteria and then making it. Yeah, I, I'm know. not. That's way beyond my yeah. Just a building, but it'd be mate. interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, I've not heard of it. I don't think loads of people describe in books how good it is, but nobody's mm. actually saying like what actually is happening yeah and uh there is another really good book by james henderson oh no sorry it's not in his book but james henderson who's wrote earth renders and plasters mm -hmm. that's a really good book um that's another um, one I, I got on your recommendation yeah he, he him on on facebook he's been doing horse poo plaster oh yeah that's classic yeah so he's been mixing the clay with the horse poo first which you which already has the gloopiness in and the fibre, yeah. and then he, once he's mixed that, then he mixes in the aggregate, and it, he's been raving about it, so I've got to try that soon. 
then that will probably be my favourite binder. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's favourite binder. Yeah. Is... <laughs> there's, there's something in uh, Horse, and I think it's Kalpu as well, where there's... Um... What is it? It's like an enzyme or something, but it definitely makes it more the plaster more waterproof. Mm. Um, I've heard stories of you know, like when you've got an old fireplace and it's been like lime washed, and it, yeah. it always bleeds through that like charred colour bleeds through, yeah, and, like stains your lime wash. Uh, if you do a coat of uh, like horse or cow shit mixed up with water into a like a, a slurry, if you paint that on first. And then oh. lime wash over, it stops it bleeding through. So it's some sort of like membrane-y yeah. waterproofing thing. Well, it was certainly more waterproof when I tested the blocks. I put them, I put, so a, a clay and straw mix that hadn't been fermented, mm. then the exact same mix that had been fermented, I made a block with both, and I sprayed a hose pipe at them for 30 minutes under constant pressure for, from a tank I set up, and I recorded the what I saw after every five minutes and the mm. difference was amazing the one that the one that had been fermented was um was far more f- far stronger in water or far more impervious to water I guess mm-hmm. um whereas the other one was just washing away really quickly yeah. so yeah and w- so what's your favorite binder then uh well I mean it's the versatility of clay it's got to be <laughs> but- uh, I don't I haven't heard of anybody who's gone to clay and then gone back no, no, I think, uh, I mean, it's, there's, there's a few sort of sticking points in terms of like people's preconceived ideas. Mm. Like if you say to them, I'm going to plaster your, your walls in clay, uh, and it's a little bit softer, quite a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, hardness yeah. is, is the thing we want. You know, I want yeah. it to be as like dense and, and, uh, sort of rigid as possible. Uh, so yeah, there's a bit of bit of like a selling point there i guess where you've got to you've got to explain why it's better to be soft yeah yeah but yeah i mean i love that i've got a a presentation i do on clay and it's just like yeah this thing this is a building made out of clay it's made out of lumps of clay it's this one it's a you know a skim of plaster yeah this it's a floor this is yeah yeah it's like yeah this is the glue that's used to stick some rocks together it's clay yeah, like so just versatile and wonderful. But yeah, and yeah, quite often it's it's right there on site. Uh, it's pretty pretty magic that you can like dig your foundations and then have just this massive supply of clay like on site waiting to be used. Yeah, well, it's crazy. There's so many bills to dig it up and then pay to get rid mm. of it. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, that's really nice clay. <laughs> <laughs> What's your have you got a, have you got a favorite uh, type of clay? Well, I I haven't used them all obviously because there's so it's, many. Um, yeah. But we've got a particular one the the area I've only used the ones where we are which are very very uh very very clay. They're just like really <laughs> just like pure orange clay, but it's yeah. quite a weak clay. And then we've had I've been using this stuff from the sort of Aylesbury, Oxfordshire, Tame sort of area. Mm. And it's supposedly half chalk, half clay. Okay. And it's what, some of them are white and some of them are grey. And it's so strong. It's so nice. And like the, the plaster you make with it is, is so much stronger uh, in terms of abrasion than, than mm. clays I've been used to. So, yeah, those at the minute... I haven't used any. I mean, I haven't really. I haven't used any from Devon. I don't think. Was that Witcher um, that you were talking about? There? Yeah, it's Witcher. It's from the area where Witcher is, which is in lots of books I've read. It's supposed to be like the, the cob, like the, yeah. the strongest cob material. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's just like clay on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can you can plaster a wall just like a really basic without. Without fermenting it, you do a three to one with the with the orange clay I'm used to, mm. and you can rub it off the wall with your fingers once it's dry. Like if you really really rub, yeah. And then this grey clay, you do the same mix with the same sand, and you can't it, you can't make a mark in it. Wow! Like it That's has tough. doesn't doesn't abrade. It, it's really tough. Um, it takes lots of fibre as well. You can you can put lots of fibre in it. Yeah. Um, and it gives you you get that palette of colours of creamy 
because there's the white there's one that's enormous white so you can make it any color you want hmm. and then there's there's quite a dark gray which just looks like cement actually <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that what you're using on that that big job uh, Tring way? In Tring, yeah, yeah, it's a great and and the, it's funny because the house is actually a concrete framed house, concrete framed panels, and they're right. exposed like a concrete panel. I think I guess that's what you call it, co- concrete structural panels internally, mm. like a, a bit like a car park. <laughs> so no, it's a lovely house though, and you you so you see the concrete, and then some of the walls they've asked. Uh, so we were plastering this grey plaster grey clay plaster and then uh, it was Rebecca Reed who's d- doing most of the work and they asked her to try and match some of the concrete panels so she then made this plaster because we were, we were putting a bit of ash in there as well just to give it a darker colour mm. and some of the walls she's done look more like concrete than the concrete walls <laughs> <laughs> and I kept so much so I kept leaning on them when they were wet thinking they were the concrete walls and she was like don't let don't Oh, sorry, I thought it was the concrete. Because <laughs> she chamfered all the edges to look like shattered concrete as well. It's, like, amazing. Wow. Yeah. She's a, a true... She's a, a master of the craft, isn't she? She is, yeah. It's really good. It's really good working with her. I've, I've learned a hell of a lot from working with her. Um, yeah. I've learned I'm not as patient. As patient <laughs> I was going to say something similar, actually. She's She's got the patience of, of a saint. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know them times where you just want to, you're just like, you know, you know, you shouldn't do it like this, but you're like, I'm just going to do it like this because it'll just get the job done. Like, she doesn't do that. Just, no, William. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know. I've got, I've got, I've got these things where people I've worked with who I've really taken something away from. So I've got my Rebecca's, I've got my What Would Rebecca Do t-shirt. Right. <laughs> and nice. Then, yeah. And then there's Graham Durrant because he's very similar, but he's very crafty in the way he does stuff. He, he'll think of a, He'll think of a completely out of the box way of doing something that that is faster and quicker and better. So then I've got my "What Would Graham Do" T-shirt as well. That's Graham Durrant nice. spraying hempcrete. <laughs> so, oh, and then then there's the when you just need to get it done, and it just doesn't matter, and you're you're like obsessing over something that really doesn't matter. I've got my "What Would Rob Do" T-shirt. <laughs> that is just like, don't care, get it done. <laughs> nice. Some of those are slightly opposing each other. Yeah, well, they do, don't they? You've got, you've got you, 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 yeah. <laughs> I um, I always like one of the big things where Rebecca taught me, and it's a phrase that always loops in my head, is um, give the wall a drink. Uh, mm. And when it's it's sort of dealing with uh, you know, your substrate, yeah, you, you know, the, it's a thirsty sub substrate. Yeah, you, know, you have to give it a drink first, so that yeah. it's not thirsty anymore. It's not going to suck all the moisture instantly out of your plaster. Yeah. So I always think of her when I'm spraying down a wall. Just give it a little drink. <laughs> there you go, drink. Well, thirsty, thirsty yeah. little thing. The other one is uh, that she says is, um, what is the water doing? So mm. if you're like, oh, Rebecca, can you help me with this wall here? I, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, well, what is the water doing? And you're like, well, it's, if you're like, well, it's sitting on the surface. It's like, well, then it's not pulled in enough, has it? We'll leave it and we'll wait. And you're like, I know, but I'm really worried. I'm just going to be too long. She's like, no we'll wait or if it's like there's no water i can't see any water anywhere well the background's pulled it in too fast you didn't give the wall a drink i know i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah and her her favorite one she used to say a lot that she learned from i think a guy called alwyn she worked with which was Mm. nothing sticks to dust yeah that was a good one yeah although i've i've tried to use that on some of our sites and uh i've said yeah what sticks to dust and everyone goes everything <laughs> it's like ah no that's not the wait what if you've got something wet and you've put it to dust like everything sticks to it yeah and i always then like trip myself up trying to be as clever as rebecca but yeah yeah don't not. try yeah don't. No. No, no. <laughs> next time just give rebecca a ring and put her on loudspeaker yeah I, I should yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got her to come down. Uh, she really helped out on the first Heartwind build. Actually, she just came down and and ran the plastering, and it was just great. Like seeing so Jamie. That's how Jamie, who's working with you, uh, yeah. he was one of our first students, and uh, and so yeah, got to know Rebecca that way. 
and just seeing like the speed at which everyone picked up plastering yeah uh, yeah and so sort of the level of, of education they got from from four weeks of plastering with Rebecca was um yeah it was I was sort of quite envious actually I know but I wish she, I'd had that <laughs> yeah she really knows what she's like she knows what she's doing in a way that I'll go and plaster a wall and it will look good but she knows what she's doing at every single stage and why she's doing it. Mm. You know, whereas I'm just doing it because I think, like, I'm just doing it. But she knows and she can explain to you why she's doing each stage, which I just couldn't do. Like, if you said to me, explain the stages of plastering, I'd just be like, well, you put it on the wall and you plaster it. Whereas she's like, well, first there's this stage and then there's this stage and this interacts with that stage. And, mm-hmm. you know, she could split it down into, like, 20 odd different stages because she really knows she knows it in such detail yeah so that's really cool it's actually really good to work with her when she's teaching somebody else because you get to listen in and go oh yeah i forgot that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's because of what (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah (laughs) Uh, all right along the line of the binders then i got another i got one for you yeah probably not such a big one but which is more important to get right in a clay floor mix, the clay, the aggregate, or the fibre? Oof. Uh, and you're not which... allowed to say all three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's a balance between them, isn't it? Uh, I'd say... Which like, is there one that you can't get... If you get it wrong, it doesn't matter what you do with the others. Uh, it's, it's mostly... It's between... Well, uh, oh, it's tough. It's tough to explain. Because the the clay and the sand, you need to have, like, the right... Well, one way to do it is to have clay and sand at the right proportions. Mm. Uh, and that is just whatever your clay is. You know, depending on the strength of your clay, uh, you need to have the right amount of sand with it or aggregate with it. But another way to do it is you can have more clay. So, hey, I should step back a bit. Because if, if you've got just a clay sand mix if you've got too much clay then your, your mix is going to crack when it dries because it's mm. all going to shrink if you've got too much sand and it dries it's going to be dusty but by adding extra fiber in you can go further towards like the clay side because ah, you're, you're compensating yeah because all that all that fiber like weaves in and, and sort of mats around and so when the, when the clay wants to shrink it actually you know it can't because it's all sort of bound together yeah so is I don't think it can be one is more important than the other. Uh, all right. Does the Is that a cheat answer? <laughs> well, not now you've explained it, no. Does the fibre act in certain ways as an aggregate as well then? Can do. Yeah. Up to I mean it depends on the size of the fibre and also to a certain extent sort of how much fibre you're putting in. Because mm. uh yeah, you could put in like loads and loads and loads Uh, and you could i've never done this but i was talking to uh becky little about it and she was saying that sort of a more traditional way to do cob is not to add sand it's to add more fiber depending on the strength so yeah and maybe she was she was saying that uh that sort of clay sand and fiber approach is more of like a american sort of new world cob i've always thought that the when people have Add, add hemp shiv as a fibre. I've always thought, actually, hemp shiv's not really a fibre. It's more of an aggregate. Yes. Because... I came a cropper doing a job for you uh, with that. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I was, I, I think I was particularly stressed about that job for some reason. I think it's the first earth floor I'd ever done, like, as a paid, paid job. And, uh, yeah, and there was fibre on site. And I was going to go off and find some straw. And then you had loads of uh, hemp on site. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just use hemp. And then uh, it was all like short, short, sticky bits. Yeah, uh, short, yeah, little, like, bit like, like chips. Yeah. I was like, yeah, fibres, fibres, fibre, it'll be fine. I didn't at that point understand the, the intricacies of <laughs> of clay, sand and fibre. Um, yeah, and it, I laid it all. And I remember there was a guy, uh, Mighty was there. And yeah. he was going like, oh, God, yeah, I just don't understand it. Like, you know, surely clay's going to crack. And I was like, no, what you've got to do is you've got to do this testing and like, know what you're doing. And you just need to know your material and then it won't crack. 
and then I, I started driving <laughs> home and I pulled over at the services and uh, Mighty phoned me and goes, your floor's cracked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that proves it then. I've completely forgotten about that. That proves that the hemp shiv's uh, yeah. more of an aggregate than a fibre. Yeah, uh, you do get those little like thin, wispy fibres in there, but yeah. the majority is sort of more of a little bit of a stick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in that case, yeah. I mean, the 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 thing is, you just need to test test your mixes, uh, play around with different quantities, and that's the best way to do it because yeah. then you yeah, you know, if you can pick up a sample and go like that is crumbly or that is tough, uh, then yeah, you can sort of yeah. work towards what is the best for whatever fibre or yeah. clay or sand you've got you should say that you did actually go back and finish the floor and it looked lovely in the end oh yeah i did <laughs> <laughs> oh, no i just left it fuck it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you've got you've got your two hour guarantee yeah <laughs> we'll be back after a quick break hey there i'm mick from the mick and pat show that's right and i'm pat looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm... Just installing crackle floor now. That's, uh... <laughs> oh well, you say that. I, I did a, I did a plaster that I made a, a test panel, and I made it. I perfectly made it crack, mm. and then I oiled it with. Did I oil it? Yeah, I oiled it with linseed oil, so that it wouldn't be very absorbent. Yeah. Um, and then I put a lion putty with a with a, like a rubber trowel one of those rubber tiling trowels like a grout oh, like a grouting trowel. trowel yeah yeah i i grouted lime putty into all the cracks mm. washed them off with a sponge let it dry and then i waxed it and it looks amazing it looks like it was a brown clay and it looked like it looks like old cracked leather yeah so yeah it looked really good mm. oh, so i should have finished that could, could have just done that couldn't you yeah <laughs> Then you could have come back to Mighty now, but see, I meant to do this because yeah. now I'm going to put putty in the cracks. <laughs> Watch and learn, young yeah. Mighty. <laughs> uh, no, I, well, what happened was I went back and I was like, do I repair these cracks or do I just rip the whole thing out? And I started like poking on the cracks and you could tell that, you know, like where a, a riverbed has all sort of shrunk and it sort of puckers up and yeah. causes those cracks. Like when I was pushing down, it's like you could tell that underneath it hadn't adhered. So it's like, no, it's got to be done properly. That was amazing. That was the first time I'd ever seen an earth floor uh, when you, you, done it you specified it in a job. That you'd I didn't seen. specify it. The client did. Did they? Yeah, yeah. She really wanted it, and uh, it was in her larder room, wasn't it? Yeah. That was really cool. That because we we built a room. She was a great client because she she just had a, she just had the right ideas, and mm. so we built this room. She, we, re, we renovated her house and put a big extension on the side and then there was this room that we insulated away from the rest of the house so it was a halada so it was it was basically like a, building a giant fridge yeah sort of and then she, yeah and then she had the earth floor in it and it was just it worked so well as a larder um, but yeah I remember go, walking in there after you finished it the second time and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I took my shoes off and I walked in. I was like, "This is rock solid! Like, how on earth is this clay?" I, I know. I just could not believe it. Like, I really couldn't believe it. It's magic. Like the before you put the linseed oil in in the floor, like you sort of like this is a bit soft and a bit yeah. You know, this is a terrible idea. And then put the linseed oil in, wait a little bit, and it is rock hard. Yeah. I think I remember you phoning me up going, like, I'm trying to get my thumbnail in it, and I just can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do you, there's a, I just thought of a question. Do you heat, do you heat, are you a heater of the linseed oil or not? I'm not. So that's, it's an interesting question. Uh, and lots of people get really kind of antsy about uh, the linseed oil stage, where some people are like, you have to cut it 50-50 linseed with thinners, for the first coat and then mm. is it the first coat or is it the last coat I'm, 
never know which way around. Well, some people say one and some people say the yeah. other. <laughs> it's very confusing. Yeah. And then you slowly like reduce the thinners until you're just mm. doing pure linseed. Or the other way around. I'm not sure. Clearly, I don't do it that way. Uh, yeah. I just go for, you put linseed oil on, and then as soon as that's absorbed, you put some more on. And you just keep going until yeah. it won't absorb any more linseed oil. Yeah. And... I've, I mean, it's always been absolutely fine. I think that people get obsessed with getting it like as deep as they possibly can. But yeah. Actually, really, you just need the top, I don't know, like 10, 15 mil. Yeah. Did I tell you about the earth floor? You know, for that guy you put me in touch with, um, Lloyd. Lloyd. In, Who's Lloyd? Oh, yeah, in, yeah. Yeah, in Bobbingdon. So we did his floor with earth blocks, cob blocks. Hmm. And the cob blocks are clay and straw. There's no aggregate in them. And I mean, there's a bit of flint that was in the clay, but they shrink. Ma- they shrink massively from the mould, like fifteen percent. Mm. So they're so they're really really clay rich. But because they're a block, they're already shrunk. So then I laid them on the floor in in a um, a bit like flagstones. Yeah. In a in a brick stagger bond pattern, and the floor sort of curved round because it was a sort of banana shaped building. And, it, and then I was going to do an earth floor over that. But he really, really liked the the look of them curving round and the staggered bond. Yeah. And he was like, can't we just keep... And I'd, I'd laid them in... I'd laid them on lime mortar, but with with clay mortar pointing between them. Okay. And he was like, can't we just keep that? And I was like, well, I don't see why not. If You you know, I, don't, I haven't laid it to be a floor, but if you don't mind, you know, if, if, you, if you're happy with it, then that, that's fine. We'll just clean it up and linseed oil it. Hmm. And um, so he he was more than happy. So we we linseed oiled it, we cleaned it all up and hoovered it, and linseed oiled it. And then he took a uh, like a wire brush and a drill over hmm. all the high bits because I hadn't you know I hadn't meant for it to be a floor. Yeah. Um, so he sort of sanded it with a wire brush and a drill, and then he gave it another coat of linseed oil, and then he waxed it with his own with his own beeswax from from his own bees. Oh, no way. Uh, it worked so... And they went really dark and they just looked like big flagstones. But I took someone back there the other day because I hadn't really seen it since. And we were, he wanted to know how hard it was. And I got a chair and I put all my weight on the chair and scrubbed it side to side. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't touch it. It just didn't, it didn't even make a mark. And nice. I was wondering if that's because... Do you think it could be stronger because it's so rich in clay and there's no aggregate? But obviously you couldn't lay that as an earth floor because it would just crack. But because mm. they're pre-dried. Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it is definitely the case that if you can have a more clay-rich, say, plaster, it becomes a stronger plaster. Like that one in yeah. uh, Steve's that we did in um, the lakes. Yeah. No, Peaks. The Peaks. Uh, yeah, we did one wall with, with an extra clay-rich. And it cracked but it cracked all over, didn't it? But then you went and sponge floated the hell out of it, and pulled it, it all back together. Yeah, and, and it was way it was stronger like... overall. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also, linseed is, it's curing, uh, not exponentially, what's that, logarithmically? You know, the, the, the curve. So yeah. it gets, gets harder quicker, but it's then constantly getting harder for, I don't know how many years. So. Yeah. And the floors do do get more solid over time. I thought that yeah. was it. It was inter- It was such an easy way of doing a clay floor as well. Mm. Um, and then you the, the old cliche of people say, "Oh, I love a clay floor because it feels so it feels soft underfoot." Yeah. And uh, which I'd never really thought about. And I was like, ah, that's, "You know, that's just um, that's that's rubbish." Yeah. <laughs> I took my shoes off and walked through. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it feels so soft." <laughs> <laughs> It's so strange. Yeah, I guess you get you've got a lot of feeling in your feet, I suppose, but it doesn't yeah. feel like you're walking on a hard floor. It doesn't feel like wood. It doesn't feel like concrete. It feels soft, but still firm. Yeah, it's, so, it's confusing, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, all right then. Who's your natural building hero? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's. I think it's. I. I would. It's very difficult because, as you, as you start doing more natural building, you, you, find out about other natural builders and mm. and people further afield. But 
in terms of actually getting into natural building, it is Barbara Jones because I met when I was at uni. I was at an eco build, which was then at Earl's Court. Yeah. And Barbara Jones and B. Rowan of Amazon Nails had built a straw bale lecture theatre mm-hmm. in, inside. And I'd, first time I'd come across... Nat- I'd, I'd done historic building, but this is the first time I'd come across sort of natural building. And I thought it was amazing. And then I bought Barbara's book, and I just couldn't believe you could build with straw bales. And I just thought it was absolutely amazing. And it opened up so many new ideas and possibilities and from then I started researching old school straw bale building and old and round wood timber framing and and that's how I got into hemp creek from doing straw bale and then hemp creek so so that was your sort of big turning point then meeting Barbara and uh, MB yeah definitely yeah yeah nice. not, that, not that they'd remember it obviously because there was just a crowd of people there and I kept saying because they had the they were called Amazon Nails the company and I kept saying to them this little uh well I wasn't little but uh, uh <laughs> immature uni person student going um I just couldn't I just didn't understand what these Amazon nails were I thought they were selling Amazon nails <laughs> and I was kept going what, 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 what can I see your Amazon nails like where are you what do your Amazon nails do <laughs> I didn't realize it was Amazon nails or yeah. just what you told me yeah, well, it took me uh, probably a good two or three years. And I was working with Barbara quite a lot <laughs> during that time. And then suddenly someone explained it to me. I was like, oh, oh, it's Amazon, Amazon Nails. Yeah. <laughs> Not Amazon Nails. No. <sighs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think because she got me... I think because she got me, that book got me into natural building, I think, probably more than anything else. I also had a really good lecturer called Dennis Wilkinson who really uh, encouraged me to go down the natural building and alternative route Mm. um, at university. So, yeah, it was, um, I think, Barbara Jones and B. Rowan. Nice. Yeah. How about yourself? One of my questions I got for you, actually. Is it? (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, I think for me... Certainly, early on, the the like huge inspiration was uh, Sunray Kelly. Oh yeah, um, and I just so the the Lloyd Kahn books uh, like Shelter and yeah. uh, Homework and all of those that they normally have a little section which is Sunray Kelly, and yeah. I just remember being so blown away at the inventiveness of what he was building. Uh, and yeah, using all these natural materials, but creating these just incredible shapes and and sort of designs. And I was like, that is magic. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, I guess that was what instantly drew me to it, to sort of natural building in general. But then I've sort of really gone the other way, and I've sort of feel like standardizing things and making it less artistic <laughs> yeah. like i'm trying to make it like a, a thing that we could build on mass for you know like uh council houses and, and things yeah. like that so you have to take out all of that artistry yeah so interesting that yeah what was what was the big draw is now that is <laughs> did you did you meet any of those people when you were in america then uh i met quite a lot of the well, the, the sort of builders of the uh, Oregon area, I met a lot of, like Sukita, she taught me earth floors. Mm. Um, oh, brain's obviously just gone dead now. Uh, but yeah, the sort of Oregon natural builders I met a lot of. And then I met the Steens, yeah. um, Bill and Athena, that was working on a project in, in Utah. Um, so yeah, I met, met quite a lot of people. And I yeah. went, actually, probably the thing that was the biggest for meeting that sort of crowd was i went to the international straw building conference in 2012 in colorado and yeah i was just surrounded by all my like what have become my absolute heroes (laughs) i remember just sat with chris magwood having a chat with him and then sort of not really knowing who he was and then going away and going like oh my goodness he's actually doing everything like with (laughs) Just like the smartest way of doing everything. Uh yeah. He's like my total hero. Is he? Mm. Cool. I met the uh I met the Steens at the 
the Clayfest in Ireland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you go to that one? Did. I didn't, no. No. And that was... I hadn't... I didn't really know... hadn't really read much about them before then. Um, but, yeah, it was amazing. I did some of their... Um, graffito did a bit of graffito with them and then listening to their talk they did a talk and I was just like oh that's amazing because Bill and especially Athena have they haven't ever lost the like in in England we've we did earth building and then we stopped and did lime and a bit of earth and then we stopped both of them and did concrete and then Mm. we're sort of rediscovering it all again whereas they're just they're just doing what they've always done and Athena was showing pictures of her mother doing like clay rendering and I was like wow you've got a link you're just like you're there already you're not even like rediscovering it you are you are it (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was amazing you could really tell it was in it 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 was in her blood sort of thing you talked about plastering she didn't talk to about you about it in ratios and and uh and this and that she'd be like the sounds and the smells and the feels you know, it feels like this when it's ready, and it sounds like this when it's ready, and it does this in your hand when it's. It, there was no put this much of this and this much of this. It's just yeah. yeah, you just if it feels like this, it's all right. Wow, <laughs> it nice. was amazing. So I guess they must have because they're they're sort of uh, where are they like New Mexico or Arizona or somewhere like that. Yeah, Sonora, uh, Sonora, something like that. Um, hmm. So well, I mean, Adobe houses have been. I think built there for for a long, long time. So, mm. yeah, nice. Imagine that, just not having to sort of scrabble around for any little morsel of information like we've been doing. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've got it. They, they, it's been passed down. Yeah. Okay. What three tools can you not live without? Oh. <laughs> what three tools? Uh. I mean, just following on from that plastering chat, obviously, my Japanese trowels are particular. I really like the um, the margin trowel. You know, the little Japanese Oh, trowels. yeah. That's so good. I don't really understand how... It, well, I find it really interesting that sort of Japanese tools and, and sort of Western tools, they're all roughly the same, but slightly different. And it just seems like all of the Japanese tools just better yeah. <laughs> and more precise. And it's the precise, isn't it? It's more yeah. precise and slightly more ergonomic. Yeah, it's like they've really thought about using that tool for a long time for yeah. a very specific job. Yeah. So yeah, the the Japanese margin trowel is definitely one of my can't live without. Probably just a standard knife. Yeah. Like my Mora. Uh, which is Swedish, uh, like, craft knife. It's one of my most used tools, I think. Nice. Um, oh, what's the last one? Oh, do you know what? <laughs> it's a big one. Uh, our mixer that we got for Hartwin, which is the, one of the American-style mortar mixers. Just incredible. Because uh, it sort oh, of smears that. mud. It's not like the, the UK or European sort of forced action pan mixer a pan mixer exactly yeah it's like a big big barrel that's got spinning arms yeah. and it just smears and scrapes and uh mixes clay really really well and really really quickly so yeah that is a beast it's noisy as hell but it, it, just, i've got to i want to see that you have yeah. to let me know next time you're using it yeah i've seen pictures of them but i've never seen one in the flesh yeah we had to really metal. fight in the metal (laughs) we had to fight to find one in the uk and i was nearly i was about to get one imported from the states and then i found one company that has one like one model uh in the uk i I love that (laughs) wow what what about you then well there's my little i've got this little uh polishing trowel it was called a polishing trowel by rafina which is a very small trowel and um, I guess it's, I don't know, four inches by two or three inches. And it, uh, I just... Inches? Come on, Will. 100 mil by <laughs> 75 or 60. It's yeah. Okay. It's on Rafina's website called a polishing trowel, but there's a few of them. It's the one with the black handle. And I just use it for absolutely everything. I think it must be stainless steel, but it's quite thick. And, hmm. and the edges have worn down really nicely now. 
and I use it for laying on, I use it for polishing up, I use it for doing the edges. I just use it for everything. It's really? just so nice, yeah. And what, it, what, what is it that you're getting from it being so small? Do you think? A lot of control. Yeah. Uh, a lot of compression, I suppose. Uh, and the, the way the handle is, it's hard to explain. It's quite high. Um, because the trowel is so small, you can really control all of it so you can use the whole you know you can use the back of the trowel by your mm. wrist and you can use the front and it gets into all the little tight spaces i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily learn a whole big wall with it if i was in a rush but if i was wanting to do something really well and really nicely i use it and it's just it just see and i've lent it to a few people for different things and and uh and they've been like, "Oh wow, this trowel's really good." <laughs> and it's, it's it's the trowel the, the the blade seems quite thick, but it's I'm pretty sure it's stainless steel, but it, it's worn down quite nicely. Interesting that it's thick and a polishing trowel because yeah. normally they're very thin, so they sort of flex. Yeah, there's uh, not a lot of flex in this one, but it's yeah. got like a smooth edge. So there's that. I, I love that. Um, not as romantic as my battery-powered circular saw. <laughs> yeah, that is a... Just use it all the time. And I'm so, getting so lazy with it now. There's little bits of wood that I could really just chop up with a saw. And it's like... <laughs> um, yeah. Which, which brand do you align with? Oh, I'm on Bosch Professional at the moment. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Nice. I, used, I used to do Makita, but then everybody was doing Makita. And I was like, I just can't have this. So... Yeah. Moved to Bosch. Oh, I'm a, a DeWalt. Oh, yeah, uh, you've gone to DeWalt. I started with DeWalt years ago. Mm. Uh, I, I used to be Makita, and then all my tools got stolen, uh, which was the saddest day of my life. Uh, and, yeah, and the, the just the batteries. I think the way that DeWalt have advanced their batteries and, like, the, the really uh, chunky 54-volt batteries that you can run a chop saw off now. Yeah. Is, like really forward thinking yeah steve in derbyshire he got all dewalt stuff and i was quite impressed with it mm. yeah um it's rather bright though isn't it well bright yellow yeah i mean it makes you feel like you're playing with your tonka toys but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh and the third one so i would say my mixer but i haven't used it yet you haven't used it no well i've bought i've bought a mixer and a spray machine oh okay yeah Ooh, tell me more about those so the spray machine is from Graham Durrant, the hemp spray machine. Yeah. Okay, it's probably the spray machine at the minute, even though I haven't sprayed hemp with it. That's got to be my third, because it just does so much. So we spray rendered with it at the at the last build we were on in the nursery in Bobbingdon. Mm. Sorry, Bellingdon. And because it, it's such a powerful spray machine, you can spray really fibrous clay mixes, which yeah. most spray machines just won't touch the fibre. And we were doing really fibrous mixes. Um, and it just cuts down on... I, I get, I've got quite a bad back. So just carrying and, and little things just really does my backing. Hmm. And so this the machine you can park on the driveway where the materials get delivered to. Yeah. And then you run the hoses into wherever you're spraying with and the materials get mixed on the driveway and they hit the wall from the end of the hose inside the house. So there's none of this carrying tubs or... All you've got you know, to do is carry that hose once. Or you just get the hose in there once, and then you just move the hose around. Nice. Uh, and it's, it's like, it just cuts down on so much work, and it, when it gets it on the wall, it really fires it at the wall. Hmm. So you get a m- really good attachment, you get, which is often the, the hardest bit, you know, it's one of the most important bits to get right, obviously, the attachment, but it can be difficult. Uh, and it just, and because you, it's quite a wet mix, you don't really need to dampen the walls down too much. Mm. And, it, and it just throws the stuff on there um, and then you just trowel it up. So, or you can just spray, you could, you could spray and then scrape it back and then spray. I mean, it's just, you do anything you want, really. Yeah. And it pumps screeds as well. So you can do the same with a lime screed, or, or I don't know if you I don't know if you tried anything clay with it in terms of flooring because you'd have to make the mix quite wet. So I don't mm. think it would really work. Yeah, but I could try it. You want it reasonably, reasonably dry. 
Yeah. On the wall, though, because it sprays it onto the wall with compressed air, yeah. it dries it as it's getting to the wall. So although it's a wet mix you're putting in there, by yeah. the time it hits the wall, it's not so wet. And you can see the water vapour coming off the end of the hose. So it's yeah. not like you're putting on a really wet mix. And it's just such a solid machine as well. It's like <laughs> you don't feel like, oh, my God, I'm going to break this. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously it will spray hemp, spray hempcrete, which I haven't done with mine yet. But obviously I've used Graham's and, it, and we, did, we did most of my house with that. And that just works so well. And again, cuts down on loads of labour, on loads of carrying stuff. So you could spray hempcrete with two people if you wanted to. Yeah. You know, really easily do quite a lot. Whereas if you're casting, so say you do a massive, a big build with hempcrete, you'll need, for spraying, you'd need three or four people. Three people would be fine. Four people would be, you wouldn't need any more than four. Mm. If you're casting with hempcrete, you're talking like a big build. You're talking, you want eight people there at least. And obviously I do like people, but (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's just less stressful to have less people. Uh, and and obviously cheaper as well um so yeah that is uh so i bought it to do my barn with but also to rent out i'm trying to get i don't like traveling to do work work much anymore so i'm trying to get i'm trying to sort of help the natural building industry as well as make some money as well as not go anywhere sounds like a great combo yeah so i'm thinking find a you know rent rent this out for render spraying You'd have to rent it out with somebody who could use it for hempcrete spraying because it's slightly, it's slightly more involved. Hmm. Uh, and I think it would hopefully bring down the price of clay plastering or clay rendering or even lime rendering because it would do lime as well. Yeah. Um, so if you can rent... And it's quite simple to use. It's not like some of these other ones you hire which are quite, can be quite involved. So it should be relatively easy. Hmm. Um, and then the other one... So I'll put that on the list of the three... But the right. other one that might make it, but I've only just got it working or just wired it in, is um, a roller pan mixer. Ooh. So it's a big, one of them huge pan mixers. Like, I think there must be 320 litres when the rollers are in it. So it's more than that when the rollers are out. Okay. Uh, and so my thing is, right, you go to a clay job and they want to sieve the soil to get the stone out. Hmm. And most soils in England are wet, so you can't. It's really difficult to get the stone out. So I thought, well, what about a roller pan mixer? And it just crushes all the stone. It's a big pan. Yeah. It's got these two big wheels in that are really heavy steel, um, maybe with concrete in the middle. I'm not sure. They're opposite each other, and they roll round and round and round. And then there's these scrapers that move stuff into the path of the rollers. And then the rollers you can set either on the deck to crush everything to nothing Mm. or one mil, two mil, three mil, four mil, up to a couple of inches high. I like that you just jumped from millimetres to inches there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you you just chuck your your clay, chuck it straight in the roller pan, turn your roller pan on, any bits of flint in there will get crushed and you Mm. can make your clay slip straight away. Nice. Then you can take your rollers out and put a blade in and mix it like a forced action mixer to make make your plaster very nice and so what i'm doing is i've got a second hand roller pan uh and it it runs off a generator because i used to have a roll a pan mixer which had its own diesel engine but it was so noisy so this is electric runs off a generator which you can put like 30 meters away mm. so the the pan mixer i'm putting on a trailer mounting it on a trailer so that i can then hire that out so hopefully people will be able to eat quite easily dig their own clay put it in the roller pan and use it you know use nice. it nice that sounds sounds like you've got a nice big mixer there because i've used roller pans before where like well they're quite slow and if uh if you overloaded them then they just stopped and got stuck and all oh, right and oh my goodness yeah it's like you're trying to like hurry up because you've got to get stuff done you've got yeah. a slow mixer like spinning round and round so the temptation is to put a little bit more in <laughs> And then it gets stuck and you have to spend 20 minutes digging it all out again. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, it's just wasting more time. Yeah. No, this one, this one's a beast. Like it weighs a ton and a half. Oh, crikey. Yeah. It, you could put... You can Is put, it on a trailer or something then? I'm going to mount... I bought a trailer, a second-hand trailer to mount it on. 
So at the minute, I've made a contraption in my front garden to jack the mixer up. Right. And then I'm going to cut the legs off it and mount it on the trailer. Um, and then it will be good. I can work, I've, I've wired it up. I've got a, a socket at my house, a free-phase socket that it's wired into. So mm. it, it works. Um, and I've been using them at the brickyard. Yeah, you could put, you could get, if you had half a brick in there, it would smash half a brick straight away instantly. Nice. Yeah, the ones um, I was using, uh, would, if it hit a brick, it would <laughs> stop dead. So I'm, I'm really excited about it because I'd love to rent out to people to, you know, so it makes it easier for them to dig their own clay and use. Yeah. Uh, and then what I've done, what I'm going to do with it this week is I've taken all the um, clay tiles off my barn and uh, loads of them are smashed and can't mm. be used. And all the ones that were mortared in at the top can't be used again. Um, so I'm going to put those in the roller pan, set the rollers to, to about 15 mil, and crush them all to make a gravel part to make gravel for my pathway for my vegetable patch. Very nice. <laughs> just like that's just brilliant. <laughs> Is there anything you won't crush from now on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you could crush dense concrete with it. I think you'd probably end up knackering the rolls. But flint bits of flint and like clay brick and tiles is fine nice so and the fact that you can take the rolls out and then put an arm in there to be a yeah. forced action mixer is pretty cool yeah that, i mean that's that's super handy yeah so i'm hopefully gonna use do a lot of videos of that soon of me trying things out nice so yeah that that might make it onto the list well uh, so you've gone for four what's you've got to lose one can I lose the saw then? Yeah. I'll lose the saw. I have the... I'll, it's a bit of cheap so putting like on the, there because I've not used it yet. <laughs> I like that you've got one tiny little trowel. Yeah. And, a, and then your other two are like monster machines. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me a trowel and two monster machines and I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, we, um, we were trying out spraying on this last project we did... Um, so for that that first coat of uh, of clay onto straw bale, um, we got a, a sprayer, and just putting clay slip in, and so I think people imagine that you sort of stand back from the wall and you're just like hosing yeah. it down. Yeah. But actually, we were getting like right up close, so the nozzle was just a few like a hundred mil away, and just doing yeah. like a little burst and just like smashing that uh, clay yeah. slip right into the straw, and it was penetrating so deeply, and it was hilarious because the people would come out like you do a room in like an hour which is yeah unheard it's, of it's, yeah second. it's ridiculous isn't it but then people would come out and they were just like head to toe in uh in mud. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything that's like bounced back and hit him in the face uh yeah it's hilarious yeah but then that's again with clay you're not it's not gonna burn you it's not no. gonna so it's perfect it's the perfect thing to spray i think yeah I, I was pleased with the uh, the the uh, the experiment because normally, like rub the sort of traditional way or sort of way that I don't know, traditional is the right word. The way I was taught anyway was that like get gloves and you sort of rub it in by hand, and you really mm. like have to get your fingers in there, and it's, you know it's quite painful. It's not particularly fast, and you know you. Generally, you have to scoop up like a handful of mud, and then most of that dribbles down your arm, and then yeah, you try and like yeah. stuff it into this straw bale. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely. Um, I, I don't know. I think it was more fun as well. Everyone was definitely loving it. It's the speed. The speed it goes. You just feel like you're making so much progress. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you very much to Will. I hope you have enjoyed that. The next episode should be up tomorrow to finish off this conversation. Thank you so much to everyone that has left a review or a rating. Uh, It really does mean a great deal to me and really does help more people find this uh, podcast. And thanks everyone who has sent me a message just saying how much they're enjoying the podcast or with some feedback or with some recommendations of people I should talk to. Uh, Those come in through all the possibles through my website, through uh, Instagram or Facebook, uh, all of which you can find me at Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Just wanted to say that if you are listening to this on the Building Sustainability website uh, or jeffreythenaturalbuilder.com uh, on the web player, then uh, I would urge you to to subscribe. Uh, I know on Apple devices they all have a, a podcast app as standard, and I'm sure Windows and Android are the same. You'll never miss a future episode uh, and you'll have access to to all the previous ones at your leisure. I have implemented a way for people to give feedback or ask questions uh, with a voice message, meaning that uh, we can potentially use them in the show. Now, I don't know how this is going to go or even if you want to do this, but I figured it was there and we'll give it a go. So... If you want to go to jeffreythenaturalbuilder.com forward slash contribute, then you can press a little button and record a 90 second message. And then uh, I will slot it into the podcast and answer your question or just accept your glowing praise. Okay, that's it from me. Um, Oh, finally, 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 if you'd like to support this podcast, and I mean that in a money way, uh, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability and you can subscribe for as little as you want uh, and you get bonus episodes and the chance to suggest questions for upcoming guests. I'm actually going to put the first recording that I did with Will uh, that we weren't going to use. I'm actually going to chuck that up on the Patreon site so that you can listen to it. There's a lot of good information on there on Will writing the Hempcrete book. And also we talk a lot about how he built his house, uh, which we touch on a little bit in the next episode. So yeah, really good information, but probably not a whole episode's worth. So I'll just chuck it up there. All right, until next time. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 